1: Welcome to Better Than Before. This is the CEO Leaders Podcast Show. I'm Tony Richards, and we have one clear objective to provide tools, information, and entertainment to make you better than before in business and in life. You can subscribe to our show on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Uh, c-suite radio network which is really awesome and you know uh, i was i have an app on my phone called tune in radio have you ever heard of this i have yep so i searched for our show you can get it on tune in radio too so oh, awesome wherever you get your podcast subscribe and you'll never miss an episode of better than before Uh, Special guest today is Connie Hayden from the law firm of Hayden & Hayden, and she's an expert at various parts of the law, but specifically today, I want to talk about estate planning very, very important. If you want to secure your assets and you want to transfer them to the next generation or you want to avoid probate, we're going to talk about all that stuff. Protecting your assets you really want to transfer. That's all coming up today. Also, uh, this is the last week to sign up for the Exponential Leadership Retreat. It's happening February 26th, 27th, and 28th. I'll be spending a, a three days with uh, our participants. It's a leadership development experience. I'm only doing it one time in 2019, so this is the only opportunity to have an exponential leadership retreat experience this year here at our offices of Clear Vision Development Group at 20 East Southampton Drive in Columbia, Missouri, in Suite 101. And Friday, February 15th, is the last day to register and get your seat. So you might want to uh, do that right away. Um, I think we only have one or two seats left, so you might want to get on that pretty quickly. Also, we have our self-esteem workshop. We've opened the doors to register for that. It's coming up on Tuesday, May 28th. It's a one-day interactive experience for those who feel you need some help with your self-esteem. We got rave reviews on this last year, and we want you to be a part of it. We have 15 seats available for this workshop experience on Tuesday, May 28th. Sign up today. And then one more item before we get to our special guest today, and that is if you have questions for the show or you want to contact us for any reason, you can do that via email at info i n f o at clearvisionvement dot com and I love answering listener questions so if you have a question about leadership, business uh, or any of the aspects thereof, you can contact us info at clearvisionvelopment dot com and we'll answer your question on a future show so Bill, let me ask you a question, okay. What is your everyday term for athletic footwear?
0: Oh I would say tennis shoe.
1: Tennis shoe, yes. That is probably what I grew up with and what I say too. Uh, Some people say athletic shoes. Some people say sneakers. uh, Some people say uh, tennis shoes. Some people say gym shoes. Some people say basketball shoes. I'd love to hear what people call them, right? Right. And so we'll have a Twitter poll uh, my Twitter is at Tony Richards Four, and we're going to run a Twitter poll on what do you call uh, athletic footwear? So sneakers, tennis shoes, gym shoes, uh, athletic shoes, or other. Right, and I'm just interested in what people people say. Right. But regardless of what you call them, there is a new way to try them on. There's a new app called Wanna Kicks some people call shoes i i think they just call them women's shoes kicks right have you ever heard this i have not yep and i think it goes back to the 60s huh um because i i saw on the sopranos once this lady and it was a flashback to the 60s and she goes do you like my new kicks huh and she was talking about her shoes so, this uh, app is called Wanna Kicks and it's out of Belarus and it uses augmented reality so shoppers can see how different sneakers would look on their feet all while sitting on their own couch. You can even take the shoes for a walk if you want. Wow. Via this app, Wanna Kicks.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, China may be retreating from United States investment. Uh, So a lot of the trade war is going on between uh, our country and China, and there's tariff talk all around. But Chinese money may be dramatically retreating from the Western world. Uh, Chinese investment in Europe and the United States dropped a whopping 73% in 2018. This is uh, per The Economist magazine. And China's net purchases of U.S. real estate last year plummeted to their lowest level since 2012. All told, Beijing spent $2.68 billion in 2018 compared with $19 billion in 2016. And this was in the Wall Street Journal. So we've entered an era of hostility between the United States and China, obviously, with these two superpowers fighting it out economically and uh, opposing one another. China's retreat is yet another symptom of this new world order. So, uh, Washington and Beijing are going to have a main event at WrestleMania <laughs> and it's not going to be the first time Donald Trump's been involved in <laughs> wrestling. And if we can just get the premier of China to agree to be in a match, <laughs> I think we can settle this thing, Bill. Yeah. A cage match. Yeah. Or so. Yeah. Something we can, we can get this settled. <laughs> and, uh, finally our stat of the day. So I, I'm I'm not going to do anything about colors today. So for the last three shows, I've had a color stat. Right. Today, this is about reading irrelevant information and hurting your brain's ability to think. Hmm. So you got to watch what you read. Research participants who had read useless information about future negotiation partners were 46 percent less likely to identify important issues in the negotiation than people who had been told nothing. This suggests that irrelevant information hampers clear thinking. This according to Scott Wintermuth of the University of Southern California and Margaret Neal of Stanford. In addition to this, statements such as, this person prefers a certain amount of change and variety and becomes dissatisfied when hemmed in by restriction and limitations tend to be rated as advantageous to the negotiator. Indicating that the participants were unable to perceive the uselessness of the information they were given.
0: I like it. So,
1: I'm hoping the stat of the day is not irrelevant and useless to you if you're listening to this show, because <laughs> you won't be a very good negotiator, and it's going to hurt your ability to think. And the last thing I want to do is hurt you in that way. Right. Right. I, I'll never forget. We had a, a guy on staff here at uh, Clear Vision. And, uh, he was very analytical and, and I told him once in a staff meeting, I'm like, you just think about it too much. And he goes, it feels good to think. (laughs) So this is like the opposite. This is like, it hurts your ability to think. So we don't want to do that. Connie Hayden is standing by. We're going to invite her to join us here for our conversation. Uh, That's coming up next. And Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru True Love event in Columbia. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Hi, I'm Dave Drain and I'm Dan Burks and we're the owners of University Subaru as a locally owned business We care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here This is our home, which means we care for our customers like we care for our community
0: Join us for the Subaru True Love event in Columbia University Subaru your truly locally owned dealer from here been here and we will always be here for you Are you ready to up your game? Attend the Exponential Leadership Retreat from February 26th through 28th. In these three days, you'll receive personalized leadership coaching in a small group setting led by Tony Richards. Learn to communicate like a leader, understand your motivators, and differentiate yourself from your peers. As
1: a business coach and consultant, I work with leaders every day to help them up their game and lead their team to victory. During this leadership development experience, you will receive the tools you need to unlock your potential.
0: Invest in yourself and gain the same access to Tony that his C-level clients receive. Register for the Exponential Leadership Retreat online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back to Better Than Before, a business leaders podcast. I'm Tony Richards, and I'm delighted to have Connie Hayden here today. And Connie grew up on a farm near King City, Missouri, where her parents continue to raise cattle and row crops. And right now she lives outside our hometown here in Columbia, Missouri, with her husband and their three young sons, where she stays busy keeping up with her family and participating in their church and community. And besides all that, she's a brilliant attorney. So Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. Yes,
1: I'm so glad that you're here. I've been wanting to do this. It seems like every time we scheduled time to have this interview, it snowed and we.
2: Yeah, I was the bearer of bad weather.
1: We both had to rush home to do whatever we had to do. But right. we first met uh, about a year ago at a young farmers' conference, and I was just fascinated by um, some of the things you were talking about. And uh, so then I invited you to lunch and we we went to lunch and we talked and then you began to tell me that what you were talking about was just a minuscule amount of uh, this whole stuff that we call estate planning transferring family assets and all that. And so for our listeners today, that's primarily where I want to, to talk about. But f- before we do that, tell me a little bit about you and your husband. You have a law firm together. Tell me a little bit about the law practice you have.
2: So we kind of divide it up into it, basically the area that I work in is the estate planning area and the business planning area. So all of the what we consider the more transactional side of law um, and actually the better part I mean, he wouldn't say that, but that's what I think. I mean, well, you're, you're more of a family advisor than really in the middle of contentious. Now, it gets that way sometimes, but more he does more of the litigation side of things. Where, well,
1: you're the one here doing the interview, so that's what we'll go with today. <laughs>
2: that sounds good.
1: So, so perhaps someday we'll have him here and he can tell his side.
2: Right, right. So we both do, I mean, I do general estate planning too. I do all kinds of all over the board estate planning, but we do both heavily have a focus in agriculture. That's what our backgrounds. And so I work with a lot of family farmers. Farmers and ranchers uh, to get that transition plan in place, and he does a lot of ag work as well. So on his side, it's more of fence disputes and um, arguments with DNR or, or some some type of government agency. For me, it's it's transitioning the family farm. When we're talking about the estate planning side of things, putting in some type of business arrangement for a family farm. Um, But you know, obviously, I do all kinds of estate planning, so that's my love, and that's where I really focus my practice. But maybe because it tends to be more complicated than a lot of estates, and so that's what I really enjoy doing.
1: So I don't want to veer off our topic, but one thing you said that was kind of interesting was fence disputes. Yes, is that? The property boundary problem yes or something.
2: yeah i mean it's more than just that it's also easements you know somebody's coming over somebody else's property and they won't want them to and you know it can be a lot of different things sure pushing trees into a stream that they're not supposed to do that.
1: Well, I had been very concerned about my family's uh, situation. My mom and my dad had both been concerned about it too, but they just weren't doing anything about it. So I'd been nudging them. And after I saw your presentation, I really started nudging them. And I'm thankful that they have now gotten something in place. But let's talk about why is it important for people who have, you know, some property or maybe some assets that they would like to pass on? Why do they need this planning?
2: So I always start from the point that it's really about the family and making sure you maintain the relationships that you have in that family. Mm -hmm. So when possibly mom and dad are gone, we want to make sure that the family's still sitting around the Christmas dinner table or family dinner table and still having conversations and still getting along. Um, You know, there's a lot of focus on avoiding probate or taxes or long-term care expenses, and those things are all important. But I think the primary focus of all of this is, making sure that the family stays intact. And so that should be the central point of any discussion on estate planning is where do we see the problems? How can we avoid those to the extent possible? And maybe addressing some of those concerns right up front and making sure we deal with those.
1: The conversation I had with my mother and father was that I I don't care what decision you make. Like, I'm not pushing this for that. I want you to be happy and content with your decision. And just let's get something in place so that we don't have most importantly you don't have to worry about it right it's done and it'll be the way you want it done and we'll just get it get it out of the way
2: and that's the most common response i get from clients when they're finished with their planning is that i just i feel so relieved Mm -hmm. this has been on my mind for so long and i've been intending to do something and i haven't done anything and now that it's complete i feel so much better I think it just takes a relief off your mind to know that you've dealt with that, you've thought through it, you have a great plan in place, and so you can think about something else.
1: So what are the pieces involved? So let's say I've got you know some children and, and they have some husbands and wives, and, and I've got some property and assets that I want to have protected. First of all, I want my wife to get it if something happens to me and vice versa, and then once we're both gone, it's distributed a certain way. What are the pieces that have to be put in place for this to happen.
2: So the broad strokes are, and when I'm talking to clients, I'm talking about decision makers, so various roles of, you know, who do you want to be managing your finances if you're not able, you're, you're alive but you're incapacitated and you can't make those decisions. Who would be the proper person to make those decisions? Who would be the proper person to make healthcare decisions? And it may be different than the person that makes financial decisions. Um, and then, you know, when you're gone, who's the one that's going to be in charge and kind of managing all of the, the determination that you make as far as how the property gets divided and distributed? So that's kind of the first part of it is who's going to make those various decisions. The second part is how do you want the property divided up? And that can entail a lot of different things. I mean, it could be, you know, very simple. We just, we want to divide it evenly. You know, three kids, we divide it into equal thirds and it just gets distributed out. It may be that you have a special circumstance where you've got, a child that's really not good with money or you're concerned about them getting divorced or they've got a special needs kiddo or, you know, it could be a lot of different things. And so we can just address all of those, making sure that we are properly planning for all those scenarios. And so it's a lot of what ifs so it's, it's kind of the way I'd say it. What if this happens? What if this happens? And we tried to build all of that into the plan so that the plan is complete. And if something does happen in your life, we've planned for that. Yeah. I mean, you can't plan for everything. It's surprising how much people can anticipate as far as this would probably be the problem this is what we need to address um, and so we try to do that.
1: I imagine and you, you can tell me whether this is right or not in my role as a CEO advisor and coach my client will tell me something and I will try to help them carry it out but on occasion I will think that perhaps they need to think about it in a different way or perhaps they need to consider something else. Do you kind of do that for your clients too?
2: I mean, you know, they call us counselors for a reason and that is because of, I mean, you know, unfortunately the number of people I make cry in my office on a weekly basis is is large. So not because of something I'm saying, but because it's, you know, it tends to be very personal, you know, things that are involved in it.
1: Not necessarily logical.
2: Right. And so there's a lot of emotion built into it. I mean, just thinking about the whole process is emotional. You're thinking about your ultimate demise. And so that, you know, that's not easy to think about and that you're gone and what do you want to have happen? Well, maybe think about this. I mean, if, you know, they're saying, well, let's, I don't want to hurt anybody's, I get that a lot. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So I'm going to name everybody to make these decisions. Well, that may not be the best decision because you may just be causing a fight instead of preventing a fight rather than thinking logically through who would be the best person to be in that role and naming them in that role. So all those sorts of things. But yeah, you, you often have to insert your experience and advice and, and counsel them to the best decision.
1: I mean, there's no real way to know 100% how people are going to take it. Is no, there? I no. Mean, so you may just be, you know, worrying over something that you have really have no way of knowing. uh, You just have to do the best you can.
2: Right. You know, sometimes they surprise you. I had one situation here within the last year where it was a, a great outcome because we had a family that their dad had passed and he was an eccentric individual and he had drafted his own will, which I don't advise, but he had. And it was a unique situation, but they were all on one page, worked together really well. And ultimately it worked out great, but that's probably more the exception to the rule than it really is the rule. And you never know I mean, sometimes they can anticipate who's who that problem is going to be, but not always.
1: So when do you typically tell people that, uh, when's the time to do it?
2: So I have a lot of clients who are coming in on the young end, it would be that, you know, they had their first child and they want to make sure that they've named a guardian. And so we can do some pretty basic documents to put in place a guardian for minor children, particularly if you've got a situation where you think it's going to be a problem in my family, both sides of the family are going to want you know want to have custody and it's going to be a battle so that's where it gets really important for young families um you know otherwise i don't know that there's a particular age but it does get more advanced i think as you get older you accumulate assets it gets more complicated there's more people involved because your your kids get married and then you've got in-laws and you've got grandkids and you so, may even
1: have great or great right
2: great. right and so i Um, it, It does get more complicated, particularly on, you know, either the family business or the farm side where you've got a business you're trying to continue on, then it gets really complicated. How do we get them involved now? So it becomes more of a succession plan of how do we get them involved now to make sure that the business continues operating without any hiccups. And so that can be challenging and really is a long term process and an ongoing process.
1: So remind me, uh, I think I heard you right, but I want to hear your your thoughts on this again. So let's just keep it with Missouri because I went and investigated this in Kentucky and it was, I think, the same. But what happens if there's no documents in place and um, let's say the father passes away, the mom's still alive and the kids are still alive? What happens then?
2: Right. So there's a default in all states, but in Missouri, we're going to talk about specifically. And the default in Missouri is that half of the property goes to the surviving spouse and half gets divided equally between the kids. Mm -hmm. Now, where it gets a little more complicated is if there's kids from different marriage and, and that can get more complicated, but that's the general rule. Now, if you, let's say somebody passes and they don't have a spouse and they don't have kids, then it goes actually back to their parents and their siblings to be divided equally, which... You know, in many cases, it's not exactly that that may be what they want to do usually people are surprised to hear that it will be divided equally between their or half goes to their spouse and half goes to their kids because that's not a typical arrangement
1: yes i tried to be a good attorney before i asked the question i tried to know the answer there you go so i contacted an attorney in kentucky and asked them and they said that it was the same way same way so when i told my father that it kind of freaked him out you know and i said well i don't think you're alone i said but this would be a great question for us to ask an attorney when we meet with them right?" right so he kind of got Ready to meet with somebody then because he started thinking, Wow, I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of people assume it just all goes to the surviving parent.
2: And it's a little bit of a mixed bag because if you've got joint assets, so for instance, if you're jointly titled on the house, that is true. If it's, if you've got a joint name on that, that's what's going to happen to it. But if you have only your, like the person who passed away, if it's only their name, it will just get divided half and half, half to the kids, half to the spouse. Yep. Yeah.
1: And so uh, that kind of kind of got him moving in that direction. just mm-hmm. not that there was anything wrong with that. I think he was just under the assumption it was all going to transfer to the remaining spouse, so that that was a good thing for me to to get him in there. What other things uh, should people be aware of? Uh,
2: so we do a lot of talking about uh, long term care expenses. I think people should know, and I think most people do know that um, your health insurance will not pay for that, and neither will Medicare. Um, And so your basic three ways of paying for that is either paying out of pocket or long-term care insurance, or you're looking to the state, which is Medicaid, to pay for that. Um, And so thinking about what that, I mean, that's a huge cost and a huge, really unaddressed issue in many estate plans. And so thinking down the road to what that looks like, I mean, we're also talking about avoiding probate. Um, You know, that's, for me, that's kind of the simplest part of it. You know, we can, people say, well, I definitely want to avoid probate. And I said, yeah, that's kind of a given. We're definitely starting from there, but I want to see how we get there. Um, And so... That's part of it. Again, back to that point of the biggest part of it is the family dynamics and making sure we've addressed all of those.
1: Now, in Kentucky, our attorney there, when we went to go do this with my parents, he told us that uh, on the long-term care issue, if they had to use their assets in exchange for the long-term care or whatever, the uh, estate plan documents and all that had to be in effect for like five years uh, prior to
2: yeah so this is a very state specific sort of issue but and that is true but for most people what they if they have like an, a revocable trust or they have a will it doesn't even matter for how long it's in place it has to be outside of their control for five years and the, the will and the revocable trust is not something that would move it outside of their control so even that even having done that five years in advance is not going to prevent those assets from being taken for long-term care expenses
1: are most of the candidates that come to you for this are they farmers?
2: Oh, no. I mean, I'd say my my division right now is probably 60-40, I would say, um, just because I had when. So our background is we were actually both started practicing in Kansas City and were there for many years. And then we've moved back. My husband's from Mexico, Missouri. We moved back here to central Missouri in 2011 and opened our own practice. And so our our background was in the ag world, and so that's kind of where when we started, we kind of hit that that area pretty heavily. So that's been a huge um, area of clients for us. But I'd say it's probably yeah, probably about sixty forty as far as the division. Um, you know, frankly, the the farm clients tend to be more complicated and difficult than you know if you've got all your money in a bank account or in a retirement account, that divides pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So it it but. That's probably about the right split of what I do.
1: What would be their first steps in thinking about perhaps if this is needed?
2: So I will have people gather up about three things. their are documents that they already have in place, which they may have not reviewed for 20 years. And if they haven't, then it's probably time to do that. Um, I do think that that's one area of misconception is that you get it in place and you, it, you can put it in a drawer and forget about it. And there's so many changes in the law and the tax law and with long-term care and things like that, that you really do need to pull it out. You may not need changes, but you need to at least pull it out and look at it every once in a while. And in family situations, the person you named, they may no longer be alive, or they may not be in a position where they can make the decisions that you thought that they were going to make. Or, you know, you may have been 20 years younger, and it was your sister making the decisions, and now it should be your kids making the decisions. And so just pulling those out and looking at them. So when I have people preparing for meetings, I say, bring all your old documents. And then um, thinking about assets. So one of the things we're trying to do is kind of coordinate the whole plan, make sure it works very smoothly. So pulling all those assets together, bank accounts, life insurance policies, vehicles, real estate, just getting it all in one spot. And so you can kind of talk about what you have. And then thinking about how you're going to divide it up. So, one
1: of the things I really loved about your presentation was I felt like you took a very complex, difficult thing to understand and you made it fairly simple. Oh, good. And I need it simple, right? So,
2: well, most of us do. I mean, I think that's a you know, that's what they say. The mark of really understanding something is when you can explain it in such a way that anybody could understand it. So I'm glad. I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: If you're going to learn something, learn it as if you're going to have to teach it. Right. right? And right. You, you will learn it pretty thoroughly. Okay, Connie, I've got my uh, rapid fire questions I'm going to ask you here. So I'm just looking for the first thing that comes to mind. What is the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you?
2: Uh, being on the farm.
1: And what about the farm did you like?
2: Uh, well, my dad still teases me because I told him I was never going to marry a farmer when he was rolling me out of bed at 5 a.m. to work cattle. But um, I, I think I appreciate it more now, just being out in the fresh air and being around nature. And it's a great place to be.
1: Yeah, I've said that the uh, last few years. I've said um, I spent most of my life trying to get off the farm and I think I'm going to spend the rest of it trying to get back.
2: That's what, that sounds about right.
1: Number one hero in your life. My dad. Well, what was his name?
2: Greg Staley, and he's a farmer in northwest Missouri. Okay, wonderful. Top
1: value you subscribe to? Integrity. What does that mean to you?
2: Uh, doing what you're say, you say you're going to do, um, even when it's painful, which it often is in the law. You, there's times that um, you have to backtrack pretty heavily, and, and but sticking to your word.
1: I like it because it, you have to be careful what you say yes to. Yes. Uh, most important person in your life?
2: Uh, my husband.
1: And, of course, he's your partner, right? He
2: is. Law partner and life partner, right?
1: Great. Yep. Your favorite thing in the whole world? My kids. What are their names?
2: Uh, I have an 11-year-old named Wyatt, and they're all three boys. So 11-year-old named Wyatt... uh, eight-year-old he's almost been nine named Bryce and then Cody is our little guy and he's four
1: and that would be what a lot of people would say makes you so amazing you've got three sons 11 and what was it 11?
2: 11 eight and four yeah. yeah he's almost nine but and yeah. you've
1: got this law practice with all these clients and uh, you got a lot of things running around yeah it's right. busy what's your favorite food
2: probably mashed potatoes
1: okay most beautiful place you've ever been to Scotland what was that like
2: uh it's remote there's parts of it. That's what I really enjoyed. We actually, my husband and I went when we I was pregnant with our second, and it is beautiful. It's what? just amazing.
1: Was it the farm rolling hills and stuff? It's the,
2: yeah, it's it's really, it, I was not expecting that is how remote and kind of, it's, you know, just very rural and it's beautiful.
1: Um, if you could des- if you could describe success in one word, what would that word be?
2: One word. How about two words? Good kids.
1: Okay. How do you want to be remembered?
2: I think that leads into that. I mean, of, of all the things I do, I think the legacy that you leave is through your children and and making sure that they're people that follow God and do what they're supposed to do and have integrity.
1: Advice for a younger Connie?
2: It'll probably be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a type A personality. I worry about a lot of things, and many of those things never come to pass. But I think that's maybe part of being a lawyer too. Is just uh, you you see all the bad things and
1: what could possibly happen.
2: Right, exactly. You build all that into your life. So,
1: What's your favorite sound?
2: Oh, rain.
1: Mm. What's the best lesson you've learned?
2: I think it all leads back to the most important thing that you can protect is your reputation.
1: Great. Connie Hayden is our guest today from Hayden & Hayden. How do people find out more about you?
2: So they can go to our website. It's www.haydenlaw.com. You're always welcome to contact our office at 573-442-3535 and they'll be able to track us down somewhere. So
1: Cool. Connie Hayden, thank you for being on today. I
2: appreciate it.
1: Okay, our business and leadership lessons next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home, which means we care for our customers like we care for our community.
0: Join us for the Subaru True Love event in Columbia. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, and we will always be here for you. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and for our business and leadership lesson today, I thought I'd give you a little review on a book I just finished. Uh, one of my clients actually suggested it as a reading project for his executive team, and I participated because I wanted to lead the discussion on it, and it's called The Dichotomy of Leadership. And the premise of the book is every leader must be ready and willing to take charge to make hard, crucial calls for the good of the team and for the good of the mission. Something much more difficult to understand is that in order to be a good leader, one must also be a good follower. And that is difficult for some people because they have forgotten what it's like to be a follower, but you always need to be able to be comfortable in the skin of your people. Those are my comments. Those are not from the book. The dichotomy between being a leader and a follower is the premise of the book, and that is the dichotomy of leadership. The authors are Jocko Willenick and Leif Babin, and they wrote in their best-selling first book, Extreme Ownership, Simple, not easy. And now in the follow-up, the dichotomy of leadership, they begin to explain the power inherent in the recognition of the fine line that leaders must walk, balancing between two seemingly opposite inclinations. It is with the knowledge and understanding of this balance that a leader can most effectively lead, accomplish the mission, and achieve the goal of every leader and every team, which is being victorious. The thing is, too, they use examples from their combat and training experience in the SEAL teams and then showing how each lesson applies to business and life. And they reveal how the use of seemingly opposite principles, leading and following, focusing and detaching, being both aggressive and being prudent, require skill, awareness, understanding, and dexterity, all attributes that can be honed. One of their main points is that if you want to master this dichotomy of leadership, you're going to have to understand when to lead and when to follow. It's very close to my own philosophy about learning how to lead, learning how to manage, learning how to coach, and learning how to mentor, right? So they've busted it down to just leaders and followers, which is a great principle and and a great paradigm they talk about when to aggressively maneuver, when to pause and when to let it develop and let it play out. Uh, you've probably heard leaders say that we're just going to relax and let this play out. Well, there are times to do that and there are times to, to be, uh, on the offense and maneuver, uh, when to detach and let the team run and when to dive into the details and, and become a micromanager, Micromanaging is not always bad. There are situations that you need to jump in as a leader and take control. I've seen uh, leaders uh, really mess up some companies sometimes because they were too hands-off and they really needed to be hands-on. A couple other concepts from the book. Take extreme ownership of everything that impacts the mission, but at the same time, decentralize the command and the reason you want to do that is you want to give ownership to the team so you have to allow the team to be accountable as well as you retaining total accountability for the whole mission, right? Uh, You have to show them that you care deeply about them and their individual success and livelihoods, and at the same time, look out for the good of the overall team, and above all, accomplish the strategic mission. So you have to let each individual person know in the way that they can best receive it, how you care about them as individuals, but yet, you also have to look out for the whole team. Also, exhibit the most important quality in a leader. We also learn this by reading good to great, and that is to have a very strong will but also have a lot of humility. Uh, being able to be humble and being able to speak up and being able to push back against some decisions that could hurt the team and could hurt the overall mission. Some of these dichotomies are inherent in many of the concepts that were in their previous book called Extreme Ownership uh, and Integral to Their Proper Implementation and Effectiveness. Dichotomy of Leadership is an essential book for anyone who is looking to lead and to win. And I want to just go through some of the chapter titles with you uh, and let you know a little bit about that. The whole first chapter is about the ultimate dichotomy when to lead when to follow chapter two is called own it all but empower others chapter three is called resolute but not overbearing chapter four talks about when to mentor and when to fire or when to get that person off your team You know, you can continue to try to mentor an unwilling soul over and over and over and you can continue to be stuck and spin your wheels and there is a time to let go. These guys do a great job talking about this in chapter four. Second part of the book is called Balancing the Mission. Chapter five is Train Hard but Train Smart. Chapter six is called Aggressive but Not Reckless. Chapter seven is called Disciplined but Not Rigid. Very good chapter. I enjoyed that one. Chapter eight is called "Hold Your People Accountable, but Don't Hold Their Hands," uh, and then part three is about balancing yourself. Chapter nine is a leader and a follower. Chapter ten is plan, but don't overplan because you have to make changes and adjustments. Chapter eleven is humble, not passive, and chapter twelve is focused but detached. And I covered a lot of that in my comments about the book. You should get it. It's called The Dichotomy of Leadership, Balancing uh, the Challenges that We Have in Leadership in Business by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. It's a really good book. That's our show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru True Love event in Columbia. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. On behalf of Whitney Coker, our associate producer, and our chief producer, Bill Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards, with Better Than Before. Till I talk to you next time, remember, everything gets better
0: when you get better.